The Giants do, in fact, salvage a split in this four-game series in Miami after dropping the first one and dropping a really tough game in the third game of the series. So, all in all, Donovan Walton, big game. Jacob Junis, big game. We'll break it all down next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data driven and rational, but also simple passionate and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. So check us out there if you have not already. And hello to, the, to, to those of you watching on YouTube. Coming up on today's show, we are going to Talk really about three things we learned this weekend. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And where we're going to start, three things we learned this weekend. We're going to bring back that kind of segmented show on Mondays. And the number one thing we learned from this weekend is that the young slash new players on the Giants have been contributing and really contributed in a big way in this series and in the wins they were able to get and even in the loss on Saturday that they really should have won. So specifically, I'm talking about, I mean, we could even throw Junis in there, but we're we're going to talk about him later. But the position players, Donovan Walton, Jason Vossler, and Luis Gonzalez, these are three guys none of whom really anybody was really thinking about coming into the season as contributors for the Giants. Walton wasn't even in the organization. They just recently acquired him in a trade. Luis Gonzalez was probably somewhat of an afterthought for most people, and he just won the Rookie of the Month award in the month of May. And then Jason Vossler, uh, not to single anyone out, but I remember before the season I was talking with someone on Twitter who was saying that Jason Vossler is worse than just any old warm body third baseman that they could acquire. Why is he on this? Why is he in their organization? And look, we're talking about he played in 41 games, had 82 plate appearances last year. He's got a minor league track record. He does a lot of the things they like at the plate. And it showed up this year in a much better way. He has, you know, he's just hitting and he hit really well, hit a couple of big home runs in this series. And he played some great defense over the weekend here, some exceptional defense. So Jason Vossler just had a big series. It is possible that he's going to get optioned to add, I don't even remember who they have to add. Is it Darren Ruff they're likely to add on Tuesday? And I think Kapler said that it would probably be Jason Vossler. They could have optioned him for Sunday's game and brought in Kevin Padlow against a lefty starter. Vossler, Vossler, a left-handed hitter, Padlow, a right-handed hitter. It would have like been the logical book move to make, but they didn't do it because they kind of wanted to reward Vossler for how well he's played. And he had another solid game on Sunday and collected a hit. I think 
that may have been a part of the rally that set up Donovan Walton's Grand Slam. So Donovan Walton, the overall numbers, like they're not that impressive. 225 average, 244 on base. The 244 on base is very subpar, but we are talking about 12 games, right? So it's too early to say, wow, he's going to be a guy who has a 244 on base and that's bad. So he stinks. We don't do that yet. What we look at is kind of the underlying numbers and, and the, for me, I'm looking at chase rate and contact rate and those are jumping off the page the chase rate jumping off the page is not jumping off the page it's a slightly worse than average chase rate but the contact rate is at 87 percent. so what i've seen from walton first of all i mean when you join a new organization you're gonna be a little bit anxious and he basically admitted to that when he was talked to yesterday after hitting the hitting this big grand slam and so I think this is too early to really look at. I think he's been a little bit jumpy. But overall, the the quality of the at-bat... And by the way, he did this against a lefty. He hit this grand slam against a left-handed pitcher. But I think he just throws out kind of a consistent quality at-bat. And it's it's easy for me to see what they see in him. And he's made a ton of contact, and he hits for power. He He's not a guy who's going to hit the ball... Uh, He's not a guy who's probably going to hit a ton of singles. He seems to be a guy who's a threat for extra bases. I think, what do they call him? Doubles, Donovan, Donnie Doubles. Donnie Doubles is probably what they were calling him. I've been out of town, so it's kind of like catching up in some ways. But he's got seven doubles and one single and now one home run. So up to that point before the homer, seven doubles, one single, and that was his hits, his hit distribution. So He's also played solid defense at second base and shortstop. There was some shakiness early, but again, some of this is attributable to nerves. Just imagine you're joining a new team. You don't have a lot of major league experience. They're just throwing you out there. You want to make a good first impression. But overall, with the contact and just you can see that he's like a disciplined hitter, but at times he's been a little bit over anxious. And then the ability to hit for some power and the solid defense. I just see like solid skill across the board. So look, he can be optioned. He probably will be optioned if everybody gets healthy. But I think that he figures to be a contributor for this team moving forward. And whether it's in the majors, getting sent down, coming back up, kind of a la Jason Vossler. But they they went out and specifically targeted Donovan Walton in a trade gave up a legitimate prospect to get him. He wasn't just some guy they claimed off waivers and threw him out there. It's a little bit more significant than that. So, you know, just keep that in mind. And then, of course, Luis Gonzalez. What else can we say about him? Winning the Rookie of the Month award in the month of May. The numbers have kind of come down a little bit, and I would anticipate that they're going to continue to come down a little bit. He still has a 378 average on balls in play, which is just really high. And I mean, it's going to come down to at least like 350 as a, I'm looking at his minor league numbers. He's at times been able to have a 350, even 360 average on balls in play over a few hundred plate appearances because he's fast and you know, he's just one of those guys who may be able to have a somewhat higher than average average on balls in play, but it's not going to be up around 400. Nobody is able to sustain sustain that. Nobody. And so when you take off another 30 points from there, that's going to come straight off of your batting average, your on-base percentage, 
and then your isolated power is going to kind of remain the same, and that's only at 125, which is worse than Major League average. So we're talking about maybe an average, if that average on balls in play falls by 30 points, we're talking about a 290 batting average, a 330 on base percentage, and then you add 125 points to the average to get the slugging, that's the isolated power, and you're at like 400. So a 290 average, 330 on base, 400 slugging is kind of where I see him trending towards, and it could be even worse if the average on balls in play continue, you know, fall. That would be a high number, 350. So it might even go lower than that. But he's just contributed, and he got hit in the leg in this series, and was in a lot of pain. Had to come out of the game. Didn't start the next day. But I mean, he's fine. Just a contusion, and he's just been a contrib- contributor for this team. So. That's just like the number one takeaway for me is Gonzalez, Vossler, and Walton, just unexpected position player contributors contributing to an above 500 team and a series split against a underrated Marlins team that is playing worse than their talent. I think we saw they've got some really good pitchers. They did end up losing the two games against the two aces. We talked about that on Friday's show. They really should have won that second game against the second ace the third game of the series but they blew a four nothing lead so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about that coming up next the second thing we learned this weekend is that jacob junis has just continued to be a real bright spot for the giants it's going to be a theme of this show is like unexpected slash new contributors for the giants in 2022 contributing to a team that is while somewhat disappointing still solidly at this point, an above 500 team in playoff position. So more about Junis in just a second. But first, our partner, our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to see what all the hype was about among just generally people, but also our locked on hosts are, they can't stop talking about this. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. All of the things. Uh, It's also lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And importantly to me, it contains less than one gram of sugar. It also costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. My goodness, cold brew, very good, but also tends to be quite expensive, doesn't it? Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day, that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash MLB network to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, as promised, the second thing that we learned this weekend, it was that Jacob Junis has just become a valuable member of the San Francisco Giants starting rotation. And that is another thing that we didn't necessarily see coming at the beginning of the year. 
Before we get into Junus, we have an important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. Thank you for your help. So yeah, the second thing we learned this weekend, Jason, not Jason Vossler, Jacob Junis has done not just an admirable job filling in in the Giants rotation. He has done a great job filling in in the Giants rotation. He's just become a valuable member of the rotation. And that wasn't the case in the beginning. Like at first he was just like a bulk innings reliever. He came in after an opener a couple times and he was just so effective. And then he got slotted into the rotation and he hasn't left because he's been that good. So on the season now he's pitched 43 innings and he has a two point 5-1 earned run average. The peripherals are worse, but the results are what they are. He's just prevented runs at a really good rate, and they needed it yesterday, and he delivered in a big way. And it seems like he's basically done that pretty much every time out. His last time out was that tough game in Philadelphia, another game where they had a lead. What was it? Four to one. And then Harleen Garcia came in and gave up four runs. I think that was the Junis start. And so, man, they lost that game. They lost the Saturday game in which they had a 4-0 lead. This team, like, they've had so many games where they probably should have won and they ended up losing. And so we're going to talk about that as the third thing we learned, kind of, because the fact that they're still where they are, despite the fact that they haven't necessarily played all that well and up to their standards, to me, actually is a good sign. But Jacob Junis, let's just talk about him. So the Kansas City Royals... I believe they non-tendered him. That's how the Giants ended up with Jacob Junis. They could the Royals could have simply said, "Yes, we want to bring you back in 2022," and that would have been the end of the story. He would never have been on the Giants, and they would have had to pay him roughly what he ended up getting from the Giants, which is what, like 1.75 million dollars. The contract for Jake, yeah, exactly, 1.75 million dollars was all the worst team in baseball Kansas City Royals would have had to roughly commit to Jacob Junis in order to bring him back but they chose not to and what's so interesting about this is that the Giants I mean since joining the Giants his pitch usage has just changed dramatically and that's something that the Giants are they've developed a reputation for and uh, clearly they saw something in Junis that the Royals didn't see and the results have been fantastic, and it's pretty sad if you're a Royals fan to see a former player of yours go to another organization and just find much better success, especially when you could have brought them back and you chose not to. And so that that's a bad look for the Royals. And Junis, given that he was non-tendered, he was uh, still arbitration eligible for two more years. So the Giants have him for 2022 but he's arbitration eligible again in 2023. And so the Giants can bring him back next year if they so desire. And right now it would stand to be a no brainer. And he's a guy again, well, they already optioned him this year, so he'll be out of options next year, but he looks like a guy that they'll want to bring back. And so let's talk about the pitch usage a little bit. What's so interesting, I mean, if you just look at the chart, it's fascinating. He's a guy who historically has thrown six different pitches, but 
Specifically the four-seam fastball, right? We always think of the four-seam fastball as like the primary weapon for every pitcher. Well, those days are over. Now, if you have a really good slider, they don't want, and and your four-seamer stinks, they don't want you throwing the four-seamer a lot. And if you look at his usage, 2018, four-seam usage, 33%. 2019, 33.7%. 2020, 34.8%. 2021, 34.8%. So consistently about a third of the time he was throwing the four-seamer before joining the Giants. Well, in 2022, since joining the Giants, four-seam usage, 0.8%. He doesn't throw it anymore. He throws it less than 1% of the time. And the slider usage was, he was he used it like less than 30% in 2019, 46% in 2020, 39.9% in 2021. Well, since joining the Giants, he throws the slider 54.5%. We've seen it. If you watch any of these games and are paying attention, he's just his slider is far and away the pitch he throws the most often. So it's very unorthodox. We don't often see pitchers primarily throwing sliders, especially starting pitchers. But that's what he's doing, and he's had great success with the pitch, limiting hitters to a 168 average and 274 slugging on that pitch and he gets a whiff 26 percent of the time that i don't know if that's that it's thrown or that it's swung at probably that it's swung at and yeah so the four seam fastball usage has just tanked to less than one percent the slider is now over half the time and he's throwing his sinker 30 percent of the time so it's like a sinking fastball it's a two seam fastball as opposed to four seam which is more straight sinker is like has arm side run and some sink and he throws that now 30% of the time. Last year, he threw it just 4% of the time. And he also has ditched his cutter, which he now throws, again, less than 1% after throwing it 17% of the time last year. And his changeup is up to 14%. It's a pitch he threw around 3 to 5% of the time prior. So just looking at the pitch mix for Junis, it's just clear that the Giants have changed it up for him and... When you see the success, which he didn't really have in Kansas City, and he's having it here, you give credit where credit's due to the Giants for understanding what was the best way to make him the best he could be. And they've done this before, like Kevin Gosman and Drew Smiley, and there's some Drew Pomeranz. I'm blanking on there's even more than just those guys, but they have brought them in and made them better and Junis is I mean I don't think he's on the Kevin Gosman level but he's a different pitcher different kind of skill set he's not going to blow you away with strikeouts but just pounding the zone with his pitches and throwing a ton of sliders and just being effective that way so it's been incredible to watch so coming up next the third thing we learned this weekend as I said for me it's kind of that they are I don't know if resilient is the right word. It does kind of feel that way. Like they're, they've been on the precipice of like disaster numerous times. It's felt like this season, but they've always managed to just kind of claw their way back. If they have a tough game, they've often managed to bounce back and get back on track. Like we look at some teams like the Angels, they just can't stop this spiral of losing. They've lost 11 in a row, brutal loss yesterday. Well, the Giants have been able to stop these streaks and just kind of stay afloat even though things haven't really gone their way for most of the year. So we'll we'll talk about that more in just a second. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting stats and info. Find all the latest sports developments, 
news and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup. Oh yeah, Dubs and Celtics. Huge game two win for the Warriors last night. The NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, and of course, the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. I know there's a lot of uh, NBA Finals action that you can get in on, so head to the website today to check it out. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, as promised, we are going to talk about the third thing we learned this weekend for the San Francisco Giants. I mean, there's a lot. They made roster moves I didn't even talk about. Like, It's funny, I mentioned Sean Jelly on Friday, and then he got called up for, was it Saturday's game? Yeah. And then he was optioned back, and Austin Slater came off the injured list and started on Sunday, and they DFA'd Stuart Fairchild to get Sam Delaplane onto the 40-man roster. So a lot happened, and we'll talk about that more tomorrow. The Giants are off today. We'll we'll probably do a mailbag as well, but we might catch you up on some of the roster moves. And anyway, I just want to talk about the the team as a whole, though, like their their record and what they've been through and how they've been able to be resilient and how Sunday's win was huge for me. You do not want to if you lose that game on Sunday, you've lost three out of four to a team you should be beating. I mean, it's on the road. They're good. They've got some really good starting pitching, which we saw. But still, if you lose three out of four to the Marlins, you lost three out of four to the Marlins. And also, it would have been a four and six road trip. They would have been disappointed about that game on Saturday that they should have won, but they bounced back. And they've done that numerous times. They just kind of come out and grind through a game. And whatever the outcome is, they're going to come out and grind through a game the next day. And I appreciate that about this team. We mentioned on Friday about how someone asked if the vibe in the clubhouse was different. And I'm not in the clubhouse, frankly, so I can't necessarily say. But watching them, I mean, they have seemed a little bit more flat. But as I said, it's just they haven't gotten going yet. I think if they go you know, 15 and five over a stretch, over a stretch of time, you'll see them having a lot more fun. But lately it's been a grind just to get above 500 over a significant stretch of time. And again, they didn't go above 500 on this trip. They go five and five, but you know, it's a tough, long East coast kind of trip, Cincinnati, Philadelphia, and Miami. I think five and five is acceptable. Obviously there were, there was at least, there were two games they really should have won that they lost. So they could have been seven and three if they had held on to that four one lead in Philadelphia and a four nothing lead on Saturday. So all in all though, they didn't, and they're five and five and they're on the on the trip and overall twenty nine and twenty four. They have a plus thirty run differential, which has an expected record of twenty nine and twenty four. So they have kind of even it's been very uneven and choppy for the Giants this season. They haven't they've Man, I mean, they've had winning streaks, they've had losing streaks, they've had streaks like right now where they're just winning some, losing some, winning some, losing some. Overall, that that kind of is the hallmark of a 500 team, but they had a good start. I think they were 13-5 and five to start the year. And so since then, what would that be? 16-19 and 19 since then. But you count the 13-5. and five. So overall, they, you know, solidly above 500, not, not by a ton, but five games over 500 and they are in playoff position the Atlanta Braves 
are the team to kind of watch who's right on their tail. The Braves have won five straight. The Braves won the World Series last year. The Braves have a talented team, and they are only two games back of the Giants. But beyond the Braves, the next closest team is four games back of the Giants, and that's the Arizona Diamondbacks, and I expect them to continue to fall. The Phillies, oh my gosh, I didn't even mention this. They fired Joe Girardi. Hopefully, we'll have a chance to talk about that tomorrow. I hope there's a mailbag question related to that because that's a whole other story with Gabe Kapler getting fired and a lot of people in the media and the fan base there in Philadelphia blaming Kapler for their shortcomings as an organization. Well, guess what? It wasn't Kapler. We've said that all along. And Joe Girardi out after not even really, I mean, 2020. Does that even count as a year 2021 and then a couple of months in 2022 and he's gone. So anyway, the Giants are still in a solid position and we're also just so early in the season still 53 games in the books. That means over 100 games remaining, 109 games remaining. So buckle up. It's going to be a long season. We, as we mentioned on Friday, it is appropriate to start thinking about trades And there's definitely some areas of need for the Giants. I think the bullpen could afford to be shored up. The catching situation, I'm not sure that they can just continue with that situation the entire year. Something's going to have to change, either improvement or make a move of some kind. So we'll see. But guys like Junis, Walton, Vossler, Gonzalez, along with the other cast of characters, because they've had a lot of injuries, like Belt is out, Lamont Wade Jr. is out. They've had injuries, and so... These guys have done a nice job filling in, and I just kind of like where they're at. They come home now, and the Dodgers are tough, but the the schedule also softens up a little bit. You do play the Rockies at home, which is the Rockies tend to play poorly on the road, and the Dodgers are mixed in there. But then the Royals, who, as I said, are currently the worst team in Major League Baseball at 17-35. and So anyway, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen Every day, now make your second listen, the Locked on MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Locked on MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Kaspic. Check me out on Twitter, at Ben Kaspic. And if you wouldn't mind, please hit that five-star button, thumbs-up button. It helps me out a lot if you like the show. So thank you in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Look out on Twitter for a mailbag prompt. So thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.